السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأصلي وأسلم على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا وحبيبنا وقرة أعيننا محمد بن عبد الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه أفضل صلاة وأتم التسليم أما بعد So we begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we ask him, the Almighty, for his help. We ask him to open doors of beneficial knowledge for all of us. We ask him to send his blessings and salutations upon the final messenger, our beloved Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, his family members, his companions, and all those who tread upon his path with utmost sincerity until the day of Qiyamah. My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, it is the blessed month of Ramadan. We pray... We beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he helps us to make the most out of this month of Ramadan. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have said, Man hurima khayraha faqad hurim. The one who is deprived of the goodness of the month of Ramadan is the utterly deprived individual. Allahu Akbar. The one who is deprived of, of goodness during this season, the one who is deprived of achieving and seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during this season, the one who is unable to manage his or her time productively during this season and make the most out of this season, he, is an, he or she is an utterly deprived individual. May Allah save us all. May Allah protect us. May Allah help us to better our relationship with our maker. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to better our relationship with the Quran. So having that in mind, today's class is tafsir intensive it is the uh, it is the fifth installment the fifth episode the fifth class of uh, tafsir intensive alhamdulillah so in the previous classes in the previous sessions we spoke about a number of important things i'm just going to quickly run through them to jog our memories we spoke about the word tafsir what is the meaning of tafsir we spoke about the importance of the science of tafsir. We spoke about the meaning of the word Qur'an. In the next session, we went on to touch and speak about the meaning of the word Qur'an. What is the, what is the meaning of the word Qur'an, the definition of the word Qur'an? And then we spoke about the Qur'an. We spoke about why the Qur'an was revealed piecemeal. We spoke about why the Qur'an was revealed stage by stage. We spoke about what was the first to be revealed from the Qur'an. In Surah Alaq, what was first to be revealed in, from the Qur'an. And then we spoke about what was last to be revealed from the Qur'an. We spoke about what was last to be revealed from the Qur'an. So as you can see, we have touched on a number of important matters foundational principles, if you will, in regards to the Qur'an. Today we are going to be talking about a very, very important principle. How was the Qur'an compiled and how did the Qur'an reach us? So we, we are opening this, this principle. We are going to try and cover as much as possible in today's session. It might spill on to the next session as well. So without any further ado, let's delve into the content immediately. The Qur'an was compiled in three stages. The Qur'an was compiled in three stages. Now when talking about the Qur'an, we have the printed mushaf with us. 
how did it come to this? And how did it come to us, basically? How did it, how did it all begin? How was the Qur'an compiled? We're going to go into a little bit of history and discuss exactly how the Qur'an was compiled. And knowing this, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, it strengthens our education in regards to the Qur'an. It strengthens our education in regards to the history of the Qur'an, how the Qur'an was compiled, and, and, and it also establishes the authenticity of the Qur'an. And uh, the fact that the Qur'an has not been tampered in any way uh, or form, subhanAllah. So the Qur'an was compiled in three stages. So we're going to be starting with stage number one, obviously. Stage number one was during the time of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. And this stage is called Hifdhul Qur'ani Fissudur in the Arabic language. Hifdhul Qur'ani Fissudur. In other words, the preservation of the Qur'an, hifz in the Arabic language. You have hufaz. Hafiz is the singular form of hufaz. So a hafiz is an individual in, in our context. We call someone a hafiz or hafizah if it is a female, when he or she has committed the Qur'an to their memory. In reality, when you look at the term, it's about preserving the Qur'an by not only committing it to your memory, but also bringing it into your lives, where you truly preserve the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Hifdhul Qur'an, the preservation of the Qur'an. So Hafid, Hufad, they are known as the guardians of the Qur'an. The guardians of the Qur'an. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless each and every one of us with the opportunity to strive to become from the guardians of the Qur'an. And I've said this before, place the intention, even during this month of Ramadan, Ya Allah, I want to become from those who have, from those who are considered the guardians of the Quran, I'm going to start memorizing the Quran, open up the Quran, place the intention sincerely in your heart for the sake of Allah, and start memorizing, start memorizing, even if it be at snail's pace, even if it be at a snail's pace, where you're learning just one ayah per day, one ayah per day, you're going to need 6,000 odd days to finish the Qur'an. It doesn't matter. The fact is that you have started, you're making progress little by little, and in the process, if you pass away, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, inshallah, because of your sincere intention, you will be raised amongst the guardians of the Qur'an, amongst the guardians of the Qur'an, amongst the Hufad, amongst the Hufad. Would you not want to be from the Hufad? So why not start? Start with memorizing Surah Yasin. Start with memorizing Surah Rahman. Start with memorizing Surah Al-Kahf. These are chapters that you read on a regular basis. You listen to these chapters on a regular basis. So it's easy to commit it to your memory. So start, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam. Don't let, don't let you know, procrastination get in the way. Don't let your nafs get in the way. Don't let shaitan get in the way and, and disrupt you and derail you. No, start. Start. And inshallah, Allah will make the path easy. You might, have, you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, that seems to be a very lofty goal. But, you know, once you start it, subhanallah, it becomes easier and easier. Allah says in the Quran, indeed, we have made the Quran easy for remembrance. The maker, he says this, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam. So begin it, inshallah ta'ala. All right. So stage number one. The preservation of the Qur'an in the hearts. So this is stage number one, where the Qur'an was preserved primarily 
in the heart of our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. So, ayat would come down in yesterday's class, Sahih al-Bukhari, in a way it's related to this, subhanallah. We're discussing uh, the first chapter in the book of Imam al-Bukhari, Kitabu Bidil Wahi, the chapter of how revelation began. And in that chapter, our mother Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrates a hadith describing how wahi would come down unto the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A man, he comes to the Prophet sallallahu and he asks the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, how does revelation come to you? The narration goes along the lines of these words. And in that hadith, the Prophet sallallahu he says, at times, at times it comes like the ringing of a bell, like the ringing of a bell. And he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, it is, it is intense upon me, it is severe upon me, it is heavy upon me. Qawlan thaqila, as Allah says in the Quran, a heavy word basically. And then at times, the angel takes on the form of a human being and comes to me with the ayat. Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, he takes on the guise of a human being, as is the case most of the time with the Prophet when you go through the ahadith, you see Jibreel والسلام, taking on the guise of a human being and coming into the presence of the Prophet And in other narrations of Mother Aisha, in that same narration towards the end, she adds, she says that one day, it was a very cold day, an extremely cold day, and the Prophet started to receive revelation and I saw sweat, beads of sweat on the forehead of the Prophet He was sweating profusely as the ayat, on, on a severe, on an extremely cold day, he وسلم, was sweating because of the intensity of the words of our Maker subhanahu wa ta'ala. My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, so think about the Hufad, the ones who have committed the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to their memory. Allahu Akbar. Think about their rank. Think about the love that we must have towards them. The love that you have towards the Qur'an, you need to have towards the guardians of the Qur'an. The ones who have committed the words of Allah to their hearts. The ones who read the Qur'an beautifully, sweetly, and in a melodious way. You know, if your child is a hafiz al-Qur'an, you must value the child, respect, and honor that child, subhanAllah. Because he or she is a guardian of the Qur'an, has committed the Qur'an to their memories and O oh, guardians of the Qur'an, you need to respect yourselves. Where now that you are a Hafid al-Qur'an, you need to know that there is this huge responsibility upon your shoulders. You are a guardian of the Qur'an, not just any ordinary individual, subhanAllah. The Prophet sallallahu was a walking Qur'an. As per the words of our mother Aisha radiallahu anha, he basically embodied the teachings of the Quran. So you and I, we must strive, strive hard to bring in the Quran into our lives and not just merely pay lip service to the Quran, where we read the Quran beautifully and then that's it. In terms of implementation, the Quran is just for the mantelpiece. No, that's not how it should be. We should strive on a regular basis to bring in the ayat of the Quran into, into our lives, my dear brothers and sisters. So, stage number one, Hifdul Qur'ani fi sudur, the preservation of the Qur'an in the hearts. So, ayat would come to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and as Allah mentions in Surah Al-Qiyamah, لَا تُحَرِّكْ بِهِ لِسَانَكَ لِتَعْجَلَ بِهِ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا جَمْعَهُ وَقُرْآنَهُ Allah says, indeed it is upon us, the collection of it. إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا جَمْعَهُ وَقُرْآنَهُ فَإِذَا قَرَأْنَاهُ فَاتَّبِعْ قُرْآنَهُ 
So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, when Jibreel alayhi would come with ayat, he sallallahu alaihi wasallam would commit the ayat to his memory, and he sallallahu alaihi wasallam had a flawless memory. Subhanallah, a flawless memory. He would commit the ayat into his memory with precision. And then he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would read the ayat to the sahaba. And the sahaba, ridwanullah ta'ala alayhi majma'een, they would memorize it excellently. Like how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did. They too would strive to memorize the ayat excellently. Now, a tangent. When talking about memorization, and when we think, subhanallah, the Prophet memorized it, and then the sahaba memorized it, we may find it a tad bit difficult to relate to it. You know why? Because today, the clock is ticking on our attention spans. The clock is ticking for our memories. Our retention spans are horrible. May Allah protect us. The retention span of our younger generations are horrible. Allahu Akbar. Due to the fact that we have all these devices with us, they have spoiled us. Many of us don't even know our own home telephone numbers. Why? Because we have devices with us that, you know, you can put in an unlimited number of entries and you rely on all these devices. And if you look at social media, it's killing our attention spans. You know, the other day I was reading an article in regards to certain platforms that are currently trending. If you take something like uh, TikTok, which is the new rage amidst the younger generation, if you, if you, if you study and look at how it has been engineered and how it works basically, users, they receive a constant stream of new videos each lasting just 15 seconds. Yeah, you can go up to 60 seconds, but generally the videos are 15 seconds. So basically what's happening inside the brain, if you, if you look at it from a psychological uh, point of view, your brain is being stimulated every 15 seconds and at a rapid pace from one micro-length video to another, the, it, the attention span reduces, my dear brothers and sisters. You're giving this rapid stimulus for a mere 15 seconds. And they have eliminated everything. But you don't even, you see, in the past, people used to look at, okay, YouTube, this constant, you know, flow of videos, you don't know what to choose, or, or you know, if you think of a couch potato, where you're seated in front of a TV and just, you know, uh, clicking through the remote, you know, uh, surfing channels. Here, they have simplified it so much to the extent that you don't even have to search videos. So you might be wondering, okay, how is it, how is it showing you videos? It basically, you, you've got maybe artificial uh, intelligence and whatnot inside it. It assesses your behavior, your, your behavior as in the videos that you generally watch, the videos that you spend time on, and it starts recommending videos to you accordingly. If you are into a particular genre, then it starts recommending videos accordingly. So you, there's this minimal effort, and all you have to do is just keep swiping, 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 and subhanallah, you're just being bombarded video after video, 15-second videos. And that's all the retention span of these, you know, youngsters have turned out to be. So, so experts are saying that which, with, such, with such short attention spans, 
Okay? With, with this weakened ability to concentrate, this can in turn produce a number of negative effects, such as poor performance at work or school, inability to complete daily tasks. Why? Because your retention span has gone havoc. You start to miss important details or information. Difficulties in, 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 in uh, communicating in relationships. When you, when you look at the, the ahadith, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, you come to a very quick conclusion that the sahaba were such, were such committed, observant, and diligent students. Their attention to detail, subhanallah, when you look at the descriptions of the ahadith, a simple example, the hadith of Jibreel, look at how Umar radiallahu anhu describes the man who enters into the gathering. Sparkling white clothes, jet black hair, no signs of fatigue or journey could be seen on him. You see, he needn't go into so much of detail when narrating a hadith, but look at how much of detail he has captured in that hadith. But today, you and I, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, our attention to detail, like I said, is just gone all over the place because of all these things. So, it might be difficult for us to relate to how the Sahaba memorized the Quran. How did the Prophet ﷺ memorize the Quran? Because our memories have weakened so much. We do nothing to sharpen our memories, subhanAllah. Our retention spans are horrible. And today's children, you can see, you try to have a you know, proper conversation with a child these days. It's so difficult. Because they, they just can't focus. They just can't concentrate. So protect your children, my dear brothers and sisters. See, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us in such a way that He has not kept us in the dark. We are being educated. So educate yourself about these platforms. You see, you and I, we're using these platforms for the sake of Allah, for the sake of goodness. But we know the reality of these platforms. Okay? So you need to stay away from those evil, negative sides. And I keep reminding the brothers and sisters who tune in, Work on focusing on good content, on productive content. If you, if you look at what's trending and what's you know, viral on these platforms, subhanAllah, they are worthless of, of, of no productivity whatsoever. One day an egg goes viral, another day a cabbage goes viral. You see, the, the, these are things, subhanAllah, that we as believers must not waste our time on. And in terms of, of our limbs and faculties, you have to understand that the month of Ramadan is not only to stay away from food and drink, your faculties must fast as well. You must ensure that your eyes don't see things that are displeasing unto Allah. That your ears should not listen to things that are displeasing unto Allah. So work on those things, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam. Yeah, maybe you're not getting that dopamine hit. You see, this is what it is. Digital cocaine. These platforms, digital cocaine. It activates the reward centers in your brains. So perhaps listening to an Islamic lecture doesn't do that, subhanAllah. But you need, to, you need to train your brain accordingly where it actually happens, where your reward center fires up when you start looking at things that are pleasing unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So work towards it, my dear brothers and sisters. Work towards it. It's, it's a cycle, a vicious cycle, but we can break it. It's a habit, but we can break it, inshallah. There's psychology in place. Educate yourself about it. Break it. Turn towards positivity. Okay, so coming back to our lesson now. So the Sahaba, their memories were immaculate. You see, a lot of them could not read and write as well. So they relied a lot on their memories. A lot on their memories. And their memories were very, very strong. So the Prophet would read the ayat and the Sahaba would memorize it. Okay. Not all of the Sahaba have memorized the entire Quran. 
but there were those who are known as Al-Qurra in the Arabic language. The plural of Qari. Qari is the reader of the Quran. So we have an elite group who are known as Al-Qurra. In other words, Al-Hufad, the guardians of the Quran, the ones who had, you know, basically worked towards memorizing the Quran. Now amongst them you have Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. You have, you have the, the, the Khulafa al-Rashidun basically, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu, Uthman radiallahu anhu, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, they all memorized the Quran. Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, Ubayy ibn Ka'b radiallahu anhu, Aisha radiallahu anha, our mother Aisha radiallahu anha, Hafsa radiallahu anha, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu anhu, Umm Salama radiyallahu anha, Zayd ibn Thabit radiyallahu anhu, all of them were part of the Qurra. And others as well, there, were, there, were, there was a lofty number, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam. And just to understand that there were so many of them, we have the, the incident of Bi'r Ma'una. Um, Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu, he mentions and the hadith is recorded in the book of Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, the Prophet sallallahu he sent 70 qurra, 70 hufad of the Qur'an, and there were two tribes, Ri'al and Zakwan, from Banu Sulaim. They intercepted these 70 qurra that the Prophet sallallahu sent, and they killed all of them at Bi'r Ma'una. So it's known as a, the incident of Bi'r Ma'una. Where 70 Qurra, 70 Hufad al Quran were martyred, were killed. And, and, and the whole point of mentioning this hadith is because, is to illustrate that there were many, many Hufad al Quran amidst the congregation of the Prophet. The names I initially mentioned and others as well. But like I said, not all of them memorized the Quran. And now a question arises. Was the Qur'an only preserved in hearts during the time of the Prophet Or was the Qur'an written as well? Now you can make a small annotation at this point that this stage, Hifdul Qur'ani fi Sudur, it is actually known as Hifdul Qur'ani fi Suduri wa Sutur. The students of the Arabic language would appreciate it. You have Sudur and Sutur. Sudur, hearts. Sutur, lines. Lines, lines. You know the, the lines that you write on? So you have the Quran being preserved, the preservation of the Quran on hearts or in hearts and on lines. So from this we understand, and I will explain that along with the memorization of the Qur'an during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, the Qur'an was also entirely written and recorded during the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Now obviously, they didn't have the modern day recording and writing instruments that we have at our disposal, okay, from, from the old-fashioned ballpoint pen to the fountain pen, to, even if you look at the, okay, uh, we're talking about our context, but before that you had the, 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 the feather, the quill you, that you would dip into an ink pot and write, to something like the Apple Pencil that we have today, you know, where you write it on a, a digital device and, and, and there's no ink involved and all that stuff, and you know, you can record basically, subhanAllah. 
they used what they had and they wrote. And along with the Qurra, we have now another elite group with the Prophet known as Katabatul Wahi. Ah, Katabatul Wahi. Who are these Katabatul Wahi? They were the scribes, the scribes of the Prophet Scribe. You say scribe is someone who writes as you, as you dictate. They would write. And the Prophet ﷺ had a number of scribes. Some scholars, some historians say the Prophet had 42 scribes. Other historians say the Prophet had 43 scribes. Other historians say the Prophet had 60, 60 scribes who, whenever the ayat would come down, yes, the Prophet would read it, the Sahaba would memorize it, and the Prophet would call for his scribes. And they would come and they would write it down, the ayat. They would write down the ayat. So my dear brothers and sisters, uh, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah in his book uh, Zad al-Ma'ad, he says that historians have mentioned the names of the Sahaba who used to write down, who were the scribes of the Prophet They would write down the wahi, the revelation of the Prophet and they would, uh, the, the revelation that the Prophet would receive, and they would also write the letters of the Prophet and these scribes were Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. So from this we can understand these sahaba, they could read and write. Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, Zubair ibn al-Awwam radiallahu anhu, Amir ibn Fuhaira radiallahu anhu, Amr ibn As radiallahu anhu, Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu anhu, Abdullah ibn al-Arkam radiallahu anhu, Thabit ibn Qais radiallahu anhu, Hanzala ibn Abi al-Rabi' al-Usaydi radiallahu anhu, Al-Mughira ibn Shu'ba radiallahu anhu, Abdullah ibn al-Rawaha radiallahu anhu, Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu, Khalid ibn Sa'id ibn al-As radiallahu anhu, Mu'awiyah ibn Abi Sufyan radiallahu anhu, and Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhum. Ridwan Allah ta'ala alayhi majma'een. All of these Sahaba and others, because like I said, according to some 42, according to some 43, according to some 60. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, the most favorable of these opinions is that the Prophet had 60 scribes. They would write down these ayat. And the Quran was written on Riqa, on Usub, and on Likhaf. Riqa, Usub, and Likhaf. What are these three things? Riqa basically is Jalud. In other words, Tanned skin. They would write it on skins. You know, like, like leather, hide on hide. They would write it on, on, on pieces of leather, on pieces of hide. Um, others would write it on usub, which is basically palm fiber. On the, on the fiber of, of palm trees, they would record and write it on it. And lekhaf, on, on slates made of a thin rock, they would, they would carve on it and, and, and write the ayat. During the time of the Prophet ﷺ, my dear brothers and sisters, the Qur'an was memorized and the Qur'an was also written in such a fashion. Through the Qur'a, the Qur'an was memorized through the Qur'a and the Qur'an was written through the Katabatul Wahi. Now as we you know, approach the conclusion of this class, I'd like to mention two, uh, or at least one very important point. Remember, the order of the ayat found in the Quran. Okay? The order. Now you might be wondering, like the other day when I spoke about the, the last ayah being ayah number this in, in Surah Al-Baqarah. The first ayah is Iqra. 
which is towards the end of Juz Amma. You might be wondering, how did this order come about? How did this particular order come about? So the order of the ayat in the Quran, in, in, a, in, a, in a surah, in a chapter, and the order of the chapters in the Noble Quran was brought about by the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam himself. It is an amr tawqifi. In other words, it is a command from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam himself to the Sahaba. Now let me explain. Because there are some people who try to plant doubts by saying that, you know what, the order was brought about by the Sahaba. Now, the thing is, if, the, if one is the Prophet wasallam, this, this important task of bringing about the order of the ayat and the Quran, the Prophet wouldn't leave it to the ijtihad of the Sahaba, because there could be a difference of opinion. There could be a dispute amidst the Sahaba. And that would result in us having varying orders. Now today, in today's time, if you were to take a copy of the Noble Quran from any part of the world, let's say take one from the, the West, take one from the East, take one from the lands of Arabia, take one from Asia, if you will, take Qurans from different parts of the world, you will see that every Quran, the order is the same. The order of the chapters are the same. The order of the ayat are the same. Not even one ayah would have been moved around here and there. Subhanallah. So, so how did they arrive at this unanimous order if not through the command of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa So this needs to be illustrated and established very clearly. Now I did mention, what did I say? I said that if it had been left to the Sahaba, there could have been a difference of opinion. And this is understood because the Sahaba, Ridwan you see, each one had a different opinion, right? So if it had been left, for example, Umar would have said, you know, this ayah needs to be at this particular uh, location. And perhaps another Sahabi would have said, no, the ayah needs to be here. This surah needs to be here. This surah needs to be there. Given that it was a command from the Prophet, Amr, Tawqifi, from the Prophet, a command from the Prophet, there was no dispute, no difference of opinion. When it comes from the Prophet, all of the Sahaba accepted. Nothing is said, subhanallah. And this is illustrated. Let me mention an example and with that we'll conclude. Hadith is in the book of Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim, rahimahumallah. In regards to the ta'un of uh, Sham, there was a, this plague of Sham. There is an incident that took place between Umar and Abu Ubaidah. Hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. So now, Umar radiallahu anhu, so they were basically, the, the narration goes along the lines of these words. They were on a journey, the, the Sahaba. This was after the demise of the Prophet sallallahu after the passing away of the Prophet sallallahu So Umar radiallahu now hears about the plague at this particular location. And Umar radiallahu anhu, he discusses, he has this consultation with, with the Sahaba and he dis, decides to head back, to turn away from the plague because the plague has afflicted a particular location. Let's turn back. Now, Abu Ubaidah radiallahu anh, and you have to understand, these are two senior companions, Umar radiallahu anh, and Abu Ubaidah radiallahu anh. Abu Ubaidah radiallahu anh, he comes to Umar radiallahu anh, and he asks him, Afiraran, afiraran min qadrillah, ya Umar, afiraran min qadrillah, are you fleeing, are you running away from the decree of Allah, from the qadr of Allah? Why are you running away from the qadr of Allah? Umar radiallahu anhu, Umar al-Faqih, 
Umar ibn al-Khattab al-Faqih al-Faqih as in the one with understanding the one with understanding this this famous companion of the prophet he looks at Abu Ubaidah radiyallahu anhu and he says ah law ghayruka qalaha ya Abu Ubaidah if only someone else other than you had said this o Abu Ubaidah if it had only been someone other than you ya ya Abu Ubaidah who had said this na'am Yes, we are running away from the qadr of Allah to the qadr of Allah. Ah, look at this. Look at this eloquent and deep statement of Umar. He says, yes, we are running away from the qadr of Allah to the qadr of Allah. We are running away from calamity, which is the qadr of Allah. The, See, the plague afflicting that, that city is the qadr of Allah. We're running away from it to safety, which is also the qadr of Allah. So the fact that we have decided to go and turn away, that is from the qadr of Allah. It is from the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now, as you can see, there was this discussion going on between uh, Umar radiallahu an and Abu Ubaidah radiallahu an. Then we have Abdul Rahman ibn Auf radiallahu an. Another senior companion of the Prophet Sallallahu He comes into that conversation and he says, I have some knowledge in regards to this. Sami'tu min Rasulillah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I heard it from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now the minute Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu anhu said this, the two senior and great companions immediately keep quiet now. Let's hear what the Prophet ﷺ has to say. The Prophet has passed away. But Abdurrahman ibn Awf is saying, I have something that I've heard from the Messenger of Allah ﷺ that can resolve this conflict. So immediately the two companions submit to the command, to the words of the Prophet ﷺ. And then now Abdurrahman ibn Awf he narrates the words of the Prophet ﷺ. In other words, he says, if you hear about an outbreak of plague in a land, Ardin. If you hear about the, the outbreak of a plague in a particular land, then do not go to it. But if a plague breaks out in a country where you are staying, do not exit from it. Do not run away from it. Allahu Akbar. The concept of quarantine. The Prophet ﷺ implemented it 1,400 odd years ago. If you hear of a plague, do not go into it. Distance yourself from it. If you are outside, don't go into it. If you are inside and a plague afflicts the city that you are in, then don't exit because you're going to take the plague out with you. Subhanallah, look at the wise words of the Prophet ﷺ. So the minute this hadith was put forth, the issue was resolved and Umar who turns back. It was basically as per what Umar who was uh, saying the words of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi So Abdul uh, Abu Ubaidah radiyallahu anhu, he immediately accepts the word of, words of the Prophet sallallahu So the whole point of mentioning this hadith, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, to illustrate that the Sahaba they had you know differences of opinion, but at the end of the day, the words of the Prophet sallallahu come about. All differences of opinion were resolved. So from this we understand that the Prophet sallallahu such an important matter. The order of the ayat, the order of the chapters. It, no doubt, without a shadow of doubt, it is he, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who put the order in place. Who, because we have a hadith to the effect also to state that, for example, we have one narration where uh, the Prophet sallallahu was seated with the Sahaba, and then suddenly the Prophet looks. If I'm not mistaken, he looks above, and then 
afterwards he looks at the Sahaba and he says, Jibreel came to me and he commanded me to place this ayah in this place after this particular ayah. Allahu Akbar. So Jibreel والسلام, it was through wahi. And by the way, the Prophet did not put the order in place, the order of the ayat or the order of the, su- the surahs, you know, as per his wish. No, it was from Allah. What he speaks in regards to the deen is divine revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he was inspired by Allah in regards to the order of the ayat, in regards to the order of the chapters. So alhamdulillah we have discussed stage one of the compilation of the Quran. We have another two more stages to go. Uh, but it's um, uh, we have come to the end of the class and we will discuss this in the next session inshallah. Ta'ala. Before I conclude, I told my students yesterday as well, these sessions are all being recorded and will be uploaded onto YouTube inshallah. Ta'ala. So those of you who may have tuned in in between or perhaps you tuned in towards the end and if you're looking at you know listening to this or being a part of this class and the previous classes as well for those of you who only tuned in today if you want to know about episode number four episode number three two and one you can tune into my youtube channel and inshallah um, uh, check out the videos i have someone inshallah maybe perhaps uh, looks like uh, i think i see ashan online uh, Ashan, if you could put the, the, the link for the channel in the comments, then whoever is interested can uh, go over to the channel. And whilst you're at it, do hit the subscribe button to make things easier so that whenever a new video drops, uh, you will get a notification if you also hit the little bell next to the subscribe button, inshallah ta'ala. So do subscribe and, and uh, inshallah, let's all benefit from this content, basically content related to the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu And along with that, share it with others so that we can all share in on the reward inshallah ta'ala i look forward to talking to you all in another class soon inshallah ta'ala jazakumullah khair wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh